Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Tour Talk podcast. My name is Austin Dahlquist, and I am your host. Really excited to launch this podcast and just the tour in general. The tour is about pursuing your goals with a rooted and hopeful mindset and working with those goals in mind at all times, being intentional with your life. My first guest here is someone that is very intentional, absolutely crushing their goals. It's the Running Effect host, Dominic Schleter. He's a great friend, a fellow brother in Christ, and we had an amazing conversation. Before we get started, make sure you're following the Instagram sub for tour and know that the YouTube and website are coming soon. All right, let's get it going. Heck yeah, Dominic Schlier, welcome to the Tour Talk podcast. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Appreciate the opportunity. And uh, as some people know, our uh, relationship goes way back. So it's always fun to chop it up with you in a formal, informal way on the podcast. So appreciate it. Dude, absolutely. It's an, it's an honor to have you on the inaugural podcast. My first guest. Um, yeah. And, and I want to start with, with that story because you are actually a big reason why I decided to launch the brand, the tour, um, and to have a podcast to to get connected with people, people that have amazing stories like you. And um, we talked about it a bit on on your podcast. You have one called The Running Effect, which we will get into, which is an amazing podcast and has absolutely exploded, inspired a ton of people and brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. But how Dominic and I met initially was in the <laughs> comment section of my good friend, one of my groomsmen, Sydney Gidibudai, who just ran the New York Marathon and got 13th third American this past weekend. Um, yes, he has he has quite the following on Strava. He is quite quite the dude, an absolute legend. And um, Dominic, you, I guess, just were a fan of him uh, being a runner. And he, he was on 10 Man Elite. Now he's on my team, the Roots Running Project. And during COVID, uh, not a lot to do. And I had post notifications on. And so I was battling people for his first like and first comment on, on his posts. And you were one of those people. And I just remember seeing, seeing, seeing your name, wondering who you were and, and he had no idea. And, and, uh, I actually remember seeing your bio too, clicking on your profile saying that you were the creator of the running effect podcast. So that's super cool. Um, but then the story a couple years later, flash forward to USA's this year and we're at the the Toad Eugene morning run. They they did a Hoka times Toad shakeout. And I'm talking to I show up and I start talking to Dominic and and you were like, oh yeah, this like I, I remember um us commenting on Sydney's Sydney Strava together and I just couldn't uh I couldn't believe it. And you said that you <laughs> ran the podcast. I'm like, oh, that's super cool. And I remember looking at it later. I remember looking at your Instagram and you had tens of thousands of followers. And I was like, oh man, like he's really crushing it. And he's he's out here in Eugene, like doing it. And super impressive because you're 18. Are you 19 or are you still 18? Turned 18 in May. So 19 Dang. the following May. Dang. So yeah, you're you're 18. You're absolutely crushing the game. And, um, and I'm going to be 28 soon and I'm taking advice from you. We're, we're running together at the toad run and I'm telling you about the tour and, and not that there's any, there should be no age requirement for getting after it and following your goals, following your tour. But, uh, I was telling you about the tour. I'm wearing the hat, the hat that I'm wearing now, which I got to get you on. And, um, you're like, Austin, the, the only difference between people that make it and don't are those that do it and don't. And I was like, dang, that's a word. Um, so I love, I love that. And that, so Dominic is a huge reason why I decided to jump in the deep end and, and do this. Um, but yeah, Dominic, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, start wherever you want, go as long as you want. I, yeah, just start, uh, start broadly, maybe where you're from and, um, up to this point. Sure. Sure. Well, the first thing I'll, I'll say in response to what you were just talking about, and then I can respond to your actual question was that I remember the exact quote I shared with you and the quote I shared with you that I think packs such a punch 
is most successful people aren't talented, smart, or lucky. They just acted while everyone else talked themselves out of it. I think mm. that's so true. And uh, it's so beautiful to see someone actually act on that quote because I tell that quote to so many people, but so many people just continue their way of living and continue their way of dreaming. And, you know, eventually you have to wake up from your dreams and actually get to work and turn those into a reality. So uh, So very proud of you, man, sincerely for actually taking action. And whether this podcast lasts five episodes, just Dominic's episode, or (laughs) hopefully like 500 episodes, um, regardless, I think it's special you took action. Uh, because regardless of if it becomes the next best thing or if no one listens to it, you at least know deep down that you went after something and took action on something you were passionate about. So yeah. proud of you, man. Excited to to see where this takes us. But in response to your actual question, um, I'm the youngest of six kids. That's important context for the story I'm about to share. And I was born in Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, a fact about Erie is that I think they get, the, which actually funny enough is where Billy the Toad is from. Yeah, I was about uh, to say. Yeah. <laughs> Legends so, out of Erie. I know, I know small world because small town. I would not think another runner would be from there. So needless to say, I was born in Erie and uh, Erie gets an unfathomable amount of snow every single year. And so my parents were like, we got to keep our kids af- active. And so they're kind of... Uh, you know, way of answering that question, that difficulty was they would take us to the YMCA. So like, you know, the local gym for people who aren't familiar with the YMCA. And uh, we would run for 30 minutes, three times a week, at like 6am in the morning in the winter. And uh, very quickly, as a five year old boy, uh, I realized that I was finally better than my older sisters at something. And my two brothers egged that on. And they were like, let's go. Like, this is awesome, Dominic. Like, you know, see how many times you can lap them. That was like a common game we played. It was 20 laps to a mile upstairs track. So like have fond memories of it. And um, needless to say, that's kind of where my passion for the sport started. Uh, Came from realizing that like, oh, I'm better than my sisters at something. I should like continue this. And so my parents put us in like cross country, um, in Erie, I think I started competitively running when I say competitively, no kindergarten uh, kindergartner is like actually competitive about the sport of running, but the races started in kindergarten and that's kind of when I realized I was pretty good at it. And so progressed, didn't really put any time and effort into it, but we'd go to the practices, would show up, was better than most kids, won my city championship in second grade. And then we moved to Toledo, Ohio and kids were definitely better here. It was more competitive and I, I was falling off a little bit, uh, maybe peaked in second grade. And that's when I thought like, I don't want to just like participate in the sport. I want to be great in the sport and I want to see how far I can take it. And so through that is where I kind of went down this deep exploration of how to get good at running, quote unquote. Hmm. So I'd go to the library, get out every book I could from every author, whether it's super scientific or like once oh, a runner type books and really just dive deep on um, running and how good I could become at the sport. And another funny thing I did was any email of any coach or prominent athlete I could find, I'd just bug them and ask, how do I get good at the sport of running? And through that, uh, that's where I ended up winning my city championship in eighth grade. And I attributed almost all of that success to help from mentors as well as like the resources. And that's when the idea first kind of came across my head of, you know, how many other kids are out there like me who want to be good at the sport, but don't quite have the resources necessary to be good at the sport. And so after I won that championship eighth grade year, it kind of occurred to me that I probably wouldn't have if it wasn't for that exploration of going to the library and reaching out to coaches and all of that sort of different stuff that gave me the tools and knowledge that I needed to train properly and race properly and and do as good as I did. And that's when the thought of starting the podcast first occurred to me. Um, Took me two and a half years to act on it, but that's when kind of the idea of the podcast first came where I thought, wow, there's so many individuals out there probably who are like me and who want to get good at the sport, specifically younger athletes, but they don't quite have the tools necessary to do so. And I mean, you hear about these professional runners all the time who espouse their high school coach and talk about how good they were and uh, how they attribute most of their success in high school to their coach and just listen to your coach. But reality is like, I love high school coaches. I think they're awesome, but uh, a lot really don't know what they're doing. And a lot, it's more of like a volunteer position, which I have the utmost respect for. But for me, and I felt like for a lot of other kids, it was like, you kind of had to make your own way and figure out how to train properly. And so because of that, um, I really wanted to create a resource where 
runners could learn from other runners. And that's kind of where the thought first occurred to start the podcast. Took me like two-ish years to act on it. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. Dang, that's awesome. I I can relate to yeah, knowing people that had super structured high school programs or yeah, just pretty structured training regimen early on in life. And mine was my, my personally, my personal story was, was a little different. I attribute a lot of my success to my high school teammates and just discipline. I didn't train super hard, but we like pushed each other. We had a lot of God given talent and I did some like extra lifting and and core on the side that I actually, I was part of a summer track program when I was in seventh, eighth and ninth grade. And what was interesting about that is they, the coaches there like taught me how to lift and taught me how to have good form. And that kind of set my foundation. But in terms of the, the high school training, two things he did was encourage us and not work us too hard. And so then we were able to really have our best days on on uh, race day, but we weren't doing any type of crazy. We were doing 200s and Ks and, and mile repeats and running a 39 minute pace. And, you know, one day off a week at least kind of stuff. Um, but that's, that's awesome. And um, so, yeah, you, you're into to running pretty early. I feel like a lot of folks that I know um, and Dominic and I, and I share that passion for running and share that, share that God given talent. Um, a lot of people that that I know usually start maybe more toward high school, more toward middle school. And so you, you were in, in it pretty early. Um, and it's still something that you're pursuing right now. So with running, what, what does that, what does running mean to you? I guess what, what has it brought, brought you? What has it taught you? Um, and where do you see yourself in terms of the sport of running moving forward? The person I am today and the the person you're talking to, the Dominic you're talking to is completely different as a result of the sport of running. And I think you'd be talking to a completely different individual if it wasn't for the sport of running. I think all sports, so I don't want to just pin this to running because I think it's a a disservice to other sports. Uh, I think all sports are so good for kids because they encourage an outlet where you can be disciplined and get out what you put in. I think running for sure emphasizes that more than other sports that are more team reliant and you could put in a lot of work, but your team could still stink. Whereas running generally, if you work really hard, you'll see the results personally. And so for me, from a very early age, it was an outlet where I could become disciplined. I could become focused. I could learn about proper nutrition and sleep. And even those two things, Austin, go way beyond the sport of running and I'll hopefully carry with me till the day I die. And so I think the sport has just kind of afforded me this really cool niche outlet to see how good I can become in the thing and really kind of go on this kind of exploratory journey of, you know, uh, yeah, how good can I get within this thing? And that's why I think makes the sport so beautiful. Or maybe you could speak to this in relation to the New York City Marathon yesterday. Like, you know, 50,000 runners show up and they tow the starting line, but every single one of them has a different goal and they all got to the starting line from a different starting place. Yeah. I don't see that with other sports. And I think running is such a cool sport where, yeah, like I'm never going to go pro. I'm never going to be able to hang with Austin and probably more than a lap of his 1500, but like, I don't want to necessarily, like, I just want to see how much I can get out of myself. And that's kind of the constant pursuit and the constant goal. Uh, and the constant, I guess, like what makes it beautiful is like every individual can have their own unique tour. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. versus a lot of other sports, like if you're not good, you don't make the cut, you don't make varsity and guess what? Like most sports don't have recreational leagues past high school. And so mm-hmm. a lot of sports is very cut and dry. Whereas the sport of running, majority of runners who run marathons are like at New York city yesterday, you know, they got into the sport way after high school just as like a hobby. And then it became a passion. And so I think the sport of running is just such a beautiful act and such a beautiful art. Um, and so, yeah, there are my ramblings on the sport as far as how I see it fitting into my life moving forward. I think for me, it's kind of that same approach of like, how can I continue to challenge myself in this outlet and do something hard every single day uh, and challenge myself in this way? And whether that looks like very structured, you know, like hundred mile races or marathons or five Ks, 
or just like going out the door for some miles to push myself that day. Either one is okay. I think for me, it's more just like figuring out what season am I at in life and kind of acting accordingly with that. Um, I do have goals in the sport. There are things I want to accomplish, but nothing per se that I'm thinking of like, if I don't accomplish, I won't be happy. You know what Mm. I mean? I'm just happy to be hopefully healthy uh, and lace up my shoes and and hit the pavement. Yeah. I love that. And, and we're, we're both runners and and a lot of people that we'll have on this, on this podcast will be runners, but also the, the tour is separate from running, even though it has running origins, but I want to, I could talk more about that, but I want to real quick. You said do something hard every day. Do you think I want to hear your, your perspective on that? You believe it's important to do hard stuff every day or just can continually do hard things. And, and what does that do for you? Yeah. Yeah. Doing hard things every day, I think is a necessity. Um, like, I don't know. I think it sets you up for the rest of your day. And I think it just like puts things in perspective, pushing yourself through a specific activity or through doing something, I think benefits your life as a whole, makes you a better individual, kind of gives you the attributes that are necessary to be successful. Uh, that's why I think so many successful business people I look up to have very strict, strong routines, whether that's in their diet or their fitness, they're doing hard things every single day. Um, and then also in relation to the mind, like, you know, our brains affect everything we do in every single task. And I love this quote, this great quote that says, you are only as mentally tough as your life demands you to be An easy life fashions a mind that can only handle ease. A challenging life builds a mind that can handle challenge. Like a muscle that atrophies without use, mental strength fades unless it is tested. When life doesn't challenge you, challenge yourself. And so I really resonate with that last line. Like when life doesn't challenge you, challenge yourself. You know, I'm very grateful and privileged to be in the situation where I'm at right now, where like I don't have a ton of crazy life challenges. And so I feel like it's a necessity for me to put myself through some willing suffering every single day to benefit myself as an individual. Um, And the last thing I'd say is just like, Life wouldn't be meaningful if you didn't go through hard things and mm. the feelings of accomplishment of, you know, everyone says it, you're right. You never regret going for a run, no matter how much you dread it going into yeah. it. And I think the reason is because like the dopamine you get from accomplishment and doing something that you don't want to do is truly remarkable. And so with that being said, I think with all of those things in mind, like doing something hard every day sets you up for the rest of your day, but also for the rest of your life, if you do it every single day because it just creeps into other aspects of your life. If you're disciplined and running, that will creep into another aspect of your life and you kind of get the ripple effect. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's something that I've seen with other runners in my life. And I really like the quote, discipline is freedom in that when you're disciplined, you aren't controlled maybe by what the world is saying about you or other distractions. You're you're free to pursue your tour or pursue your goals, um, something that you've set out. And yeah, it's, it's certainly hard. And people always think that running is easy for, for me or just easy for people like us that, that are doing it every day. But I love so many things about the sport and and you kind of touched on it where you can have people from all kinds of different backgrounds, situations, different forms, different body types. And they're able to, to go and push themselves and, um, they're able to go and pursue, pursue a race, pursue that accomplishment. And it's not only, it's good in so many ways, your health, your, um, setting up your day, like, like you said, or, you know, putting an in cap to your day, whenever you run, if you're shout out to all the, all the night runners out there, but, um, I'm an, I'm an early, earlier person <laughs> myself, but there's so many things that you, can take from running and, and sport in general. And it's just so accessible too. you can just go right out your door, throw on, throw on some shoes, go right out your door and, and, um, and start, start getting better. Cause I truly, I also agree with you that you get in or you get out what you put into the sport often. Um, you know, it's not one for one and there's so many ups and downs in running just like in regular life. Um, it's a great metaphor, great metaphor for life. Um, but I want to, uh, continue on to 
with with running running effect. So your your podcast you mentioned earlier that you wanted it to be a you wanted to be a place where people can come and be informed, uh, hear from all kinds of different people in the running community, and um, yeah, be inspired, be uh, be motivated, and so. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and then maybe where you see it going? Um, maybe some projects that you have involving the running effect coming down the pipeline. Cause if you're not following them on following Dominic on Instagram with the running effect is an incredible page, amazing reels features. And um, also the podcast is, is a must listen to for a runner or non-runner, but yeah, please. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate the the kind words and uh, coming from you means all the more. Uh, but yeah, I think early on the focus was to be a, a place of resources for specifically the next generation. And I think that's kind of expanded into what I've branded ourselves as a podcast that's trying to bring storytelling to the sport of running because, you know, everyone who turned on the Super Bowl last year, you know, knows that Patrick Mahomes was going through an ankle injury and uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, this untested college quarterback. I don't need to talk about NFL on this podcast. But bottom line, when you turn on the major league sporting events, you know the athletes and you know their stories. But when I would turn on the Milrose games or the New York City Marathon, you know, my family members had no clue who the people were, what was going on, what a 3K was, what uh, world ranking points were. And so it was just like immediately not interesting to them. And they like, run they're like interested in running but it wasn't really interesting because they weren't bought into a story mm. and so for me there was the one year milrose games i'm sure many people remember cooper tier cole hawker their kind of debut race for nike and jordy beamish stole the show uh he had this crazy last 200 and it was just a, a wicked finish and i remember telling my family who was watching because i turned it on in the common family room and people were like, Oh, might as well watch. We're already here. And I explained the athletes, their backstories, their situations, and they were more interested in the race than I was after that. And so that's kind of when the light bulb moment went off of like, Oh, you know, running's not boring, but people just don't know that the athletes stories, you know, the stories yeah. of the athletes. And so that's kind of when I started to brand myself as trying to bring storytelling to the sport of running. And I think there are a lot of awesome running podcasts out there that I personally listen to and support but I think they are all very niche specific, like women's running or professional running. And I want to be a place where I want to tell all the stories within the sport. So someone like yourself who is, you know, trying to take his running to the next level while also still maintaining a job or someone like Elise Cranny, who's like, you know, the best in America at what she mm -hmm. does or Nicholas Thompson, the CEO of the Atlantic who uh, ran for Stanford his freshman year. Most people don't know that uh, because he's the CEO of the Atlantic, right? He mm -hmm. like stopped running, but now he actually run commutes to work every day through the heart of New York city. Like the guy's a multimillionaire does not need to do that. Yeah. So for me, I'm fascinated. I'm like, what's the story there? Like um, he's also a really fast marathon runner. Uh, he, I think he was in the race that Des Linden set the 50 K road running record, whatever, but he's not known for that because he's known as the CEO of the Atlantic. So it's like telling his story or, um, Nike has such a big involvement in the sport for better or for worse. And, uh, Scott Reams, Nike historian emeritus. So his job at Nike was to basically document their history. He was a Nike historian. He was the only one. And he basically wrote the backbone of what became shoe dog, which was Phil Knight's memoir. Yeah, so having someone so like him on and talking about the origins of Nike and their involvement in the sport. So, uh, or like the high school runners, you know, Connor Burns and Simeon Birnbaum the week leading into the week after they, run 357 in the mile or 1337 in the 5k breaking Galen's 19 year old 5k high school national record. So telling all the stories of those within our sport, um, while also through telling their stories, still providing those valuable resources. So for you, Austin, like through you sharing your story, you know, athletes are able to kind of, um, learn from and sympathize with the highs and lows of your career and like the different things you're struggling with, the different things you've mastered yourself in and through that they're able to kind of hopefully take their running to the next level or at least feel like they're not alone with what they're going through because yeah. i think a lot of people view professionals as like on another world in a podcast kind of strips them down in a yeah. good way um and so i've kind of viewed it as bringing storytelling to the sport of running and yeah where i see it going is just like trying to build it out outside of the podcast 
in social media and really starting to have like visual pieces that complement the the podcast and articles and kind of like I like what I think places like Flowtrack get too much crap because I think they have done so much good for the sport, mm-hmm. even if they're not what they once used to be. Um, so I don't want to say like a new flow track, but kind of in the sense of like adding on, you know, workout Wednesday type things. Like people love those. Those were so interesting. Those brought, I think, storytelling to the sport, the articles. I think there's nothing like a really good written piece, but having kind of this ecosystem where the visual um, interacts with the written word, interacts with like the podcast, kind of creating this ecosystem. Yeah. That's kind of where I see it going. But at the end of the day, I do think there's something so special about podcasts and long form conversations that you'll never get from an athlete post race when they're, you know, not of reasonable thought. They're out of breath. They want to see their family. Like five minute post race interview is not going to do it. But like a 50 minute podcast, I think will actually get the full story of an athlete and you'll be able to get deep with them and discuss valuable things. Um, and so I think the podcast will always be at the core of the running effect, but I definitely want to build it out a little more in the future. Not yeah. sure if I answered your question there, but no, that's ramblings. And that's, that's amazing. And yet yeah, you and I can probably both agree that running one of the biggest issues is awareness and, and there's not a ton of money in the sport. There's not a, there's a lot of breakdowns across the board about how it could be better. And, yeah, we're we're people runners are people too with with interesting interesting, impactful, powerful stories, but other sports, you know, there's more money in it, there's more advertising, the whole deal. They kinda you're able to to see them more and and um you know, learn learn about them more and, and I think it's just amazing, yeah, what what you're doing with with the sport and I'm believing that it's gonna continue to to push it forward because running is something that, that everyone can do. Not, you know, I say everyone as almost everyone can do. Um, not everyone played football or played basketball or, or anything right. like that. And, uh, that's what I think is, is interesting because it's, it's a sport that allegedly doesn't bring in a lot of attention. And, um, it just feels like there's so much potential though, because so many people run, even if it's just a couple of times a week for, for fitness, they could, there's so much potential for, for it to continue to grow. And so that's awesome. Um, yeah. That's the beauty of it, dude. Is like anyone could listen to this podcast or one of my podcasts or, um, you know, watch uh, New York city marathon and literally decide, Oh, I'm going to go for a run. <laughs> yeah. Like anyone can do that. Anyone, you know, most people have a pair of shoes, right. And some would debate, you don't even need shoes to, to start running. Yep. Um, and so, Versus football, you know, you could be really inspired by, you know, a fourth quarter push by a team and you're like hyped up. You're like, oh, I want to try throwing the ball. But it's like <laughs> you can't go get, you know, however, 24 guys together and play a structured football game. Yep. You know what I mean? And so running is such an awesome form of you're able to take action very easily if you want to. And then also something people really aren't aware of, I feel like even in the running community, I hate it when I say it. it's a pet peeve of mine. When people are like, running's not popular, running's not popular. It's like, if you look at the statistics, uh, track and field is the second most watched sport in the Summer Olympics, right behind gymnastics. Like mm. Every sport on earth is in the Summer Olympics, including yeah. basketball, including yeah. basketball with all the NBA stars and track and field is more watched. And I think it's because the storylines going into the Olympics are very simple and very easy to follow. Every single four years, it's always Jamaica versus the US in the sprints. <laughs> like, that's why people freaking loved Usain Bolt or Usain Bolt himself. Like he was such an interesting character. People knew that when they turned on the TV, he was going to run something fast. They knew to look at the clock. They knew what the, you know, the commentators did a good job of, you know, here's what he's trying to do X, Y, and Z with relays. You know, it was always Jamaica versus the U S that's just what I remember growing up throughout middle school and even younger uh, as a kid. Like it was just very easy to follow because I knew the storylines, but when you turn on the Milrose games, using that as an example, it's like, what, what's going on here? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so it's not that there aren't eyes who are interested in the sport. It's that we aren't good at creating storytelling around the sport the other three <laughs> years that actually gives voice and gives storylines to the interesting people and races. Um, I think there's so many interesting races on the circuit every year, whether it's the Diamond League, 
or even like ridiculous things like Craig Angles does. Like I think he did this a year or two ago when he um, did like the sub four tour. Actually, you were part of that. I think that's when you broke four for the first time. Like that's interesting to the average Joe, I think at home. Um, and so, yeah. And then even if you dive into the statistics of the amount of Americans who run every single year in some capacity for getting off the top of my head, but it's multiple, multiple million people. Um, and so it's like these people would be fascinated by the sport if they tuned in because they actually have something to compare themselves to. Yeah. And I hear this sentiment all the time too. Like if you watch track, you can actually go on a track and see how fast you can run a 5k and just be flabbergasted at how slow you are <laughs> and, yep. and appreciate the sport all the more. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I actually think it's like the perfect sport to really get interested in <laughs> and get involved in as a fan. But I just think we don't necessarily have enough media that's guiding people in the correct direction or telling the stories of the athletes in a way that's going to make people tune in. Yeah. And you're, you're really help helping to fill that gap. And I hear it all the time. Like, let's put a regular run or a regular person against these athletes. Cause just like the NBA or the NFL, you put all these amazing athletes against each other. It looks kind of normal, but yeah, I, I completely, I completely agree um, with that. And I, I'm hopeful for where, it, where it can go. And, and people too, I feel like everyone I talk to about running that I meet for the first time, they're like, oh, I ran in high school or, oh, I've, you know, this is my best mile time. What's your best mile time? Or have you run a marathon? I did. And, and it feels like everybody kind of has that, that shared experience. And so it doesn't really make sense that they, yeah, really only know about the Olympics every four years when there's, you know, thousands of races before that. And, oh, there's actually a world championship every year. And, oh, there's actually, you know, the Diamond League, as you said, and you can watch the Noah Lyles a couple, like 10, 12, 15 times a year. You don't have to wait four years for him at the Olympics um, just because NBC is showing it. But yeah, I, I absolutely love that. But I want to uh, change gears a little bit. Something else that we also share is, is our faith. Um, we're believers and I want to know um, or tell the listeners kind of where, where that comes into play, like just with your, with your life and, and what you're doing. Yeah, my faith. I feel like I never quite have the words to to quite eloquently talk about it. Uh, I feel like it's something that I'm continually growing in. And because of that, like I'm constantly not necessarily as comfortable sharing my journey per se, because I feel like I have so much to grow in. So pardon with me as I, I try to find the words, but uh, no, that's really where God like comes in. He'll, he'll yeah. help me find them. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I was born and raised um, Catholic Christian. And, uh, so like, I'm just super privileged to grow up in a, a family whose parents, you know, love the Lord and, and brought my siblings and I up in the faith. Um, and more importantly, not just in the faith and going to mass on Sunday, every Sunday, but also like with just strong Judeo Christian values. Um, like even the most simple one, like, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Um, something like that, even a non-believer I think could agree with, uh, yeah. dying to yourself, laying down your life for the good of a friend. And so I think they did a good job of not just like teaching us about the faith, but also raising us with really good uh, values and standards and morals. Um, and so, yeah, I was raised with the faith and naturally like, <laughs> I don't, it, I mean, everyone's faith journey is different, but people who are raised in the faith could maybe relate to this. Like no second graders actually like that interested in God. Yeah. I believed in him, but I didn't necessarily like personally accept him. Um, and so I, I don't even, there wasn't like a crazy moment that I hear a lot of people have where it's like, God reveals himself in a super powerful way. Even though I've had those experiences in my life, I don't ever think there was like a specific one that was like, okay, you know, I'm accepting, you know, Jesus as my Lord and savior, and I'm going to live a certain way. It was just like kind of a natural progression. And I think as I got closer to high school, that's when I really started to accept my faith as my own with my maturity as a person, you know, like, I feel like when you start to approach high school is when you're separating yourself from your parents a little bit, maybe your beliefs are a little bit different. And with that comes the opportunity to either accept your faith as your own, or maybe like rebel against your parents. And for me, that's, I think when I like accepted it, made it my own. And because of that, for the first time started to actually develop in relationship with Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, through that, like, 
just striving to, to become the best Dominic I can be and become who God called me to be. Um, and there's That's actually cool. this, this saying I, I came across on Instagram reels actually shows it can be used for good. If you follow the right yeah. accounts, um, I think it, I think the saying was like, if you're not hungry for God, you're probably too full of yourself. Mm. And, uh, I think that's how I feel these days, just being open. Like I am hungry for God, but I think I could be a lot more hungry. And so it's like, how can I humble myself to, um, you know, come into relationship with Jesus more? I think it's so easy to say you're a Christian. So easy to say, like you believe in Jesus, but are you actually entering into a serious relationship with Jesus? Like you would a friend. And I think for me, uh, this has been a big season of my life where I'm trying to grow in friendship with him. Uh, yeah. Like even just like, (laughs) having conversations with him or not, not viewing prayer, like a checklist, you know, read this scripture, write your thoughts on it. Boom. Sign of the cross. It's over, you know, Mm -hmm. actually trying to journey in relationship with Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, through that, like it's been a challenge, but I don't know. It's like, yeah, my faith is at the cornerstone of all that I do. And even, even through the, the struggles and the tribulations, my whole path is pretty, I think, miraculous in terms of like, I feel when I look back, just like I, I had no clue what was going on, but God knew what was going on and yeah. he was moving things behind the scenes, uh, specifically in relation to like me not going to college and things like that. I'm like, yeah, God knew, God knew what he was doing. Like yeah. his will was so much better than my own, even though I was so stubborn thinking my will was better than his. Mm. Um, and so I'm kind of just giving you my thoughts on my current status of faith, but uh, trying to humble myself, trying to grow in relationship with him. Um, and yeah, bottom line, my faith is uh, critical to, to me, myself as a person and also all that I do. Um, and my faith isn't something that I ever want to push on other people or like you have to live this certain way or you have to act this certain way. But for me, it's just, you know, as many people do, they go down the deep rabbit hole of, why am I here? Why do I exist? What's the purpose of my life? Hmm. And I personally feel that like, you know, Jesus is the, the, you know, reason we're all here. Uh, and because of that, I'm going to act in accord, uh, with that, with his teachings. Um, not going to push that on anyone. That's just like my personal belief. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to live to the fullest and, uh, hopefully bring as many people closer to Jesus as possible. And even if, you know, they don't necessarily accept them, at least bring them closer to a higher way of living. Because uh, mm. as I mentioned a minute ago, the principles of Christianity are really something that I think most people would approve of. Uh, yeah. So even taking that label away, I think it's a it's a great way to live, you know, loving your neighbor yeah. as yourself. Like, I don't know who can debate that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. And so, so many good things, so many mature things that, that you said there that that I love and agree with, and and I would say the same. the The foundation of of my life, the the reason for everything I do, and I personally found the Lord a few years into college. But I just love what you even said at the beginning. Like we're always going to be a work in progress, and there's always going to be growth. And we're we're separated um, from from the Lord in in this broken world where we're living in a world of of sin and um, and brokenness, and so just continue, continue to lead in, encourage you in that. And that's just so, that's awesome that, um, that you're leaning in and the humble spirit, I would just agree with in, in any instance, like life gets better when you don't think that you're amazing. When, uh, I just firmly believe that when you realize that you're broken, you can't do this life on your own, um, that you, uh, you live a happier, healthier life. Um, and, yeah, the last thing the last thing I'll say about that is uh just just living living like Jesus and um that sometimes has I mean that's that's just what he did. He wasn't going around forcing people to follow him. He just like sat with them, loved them and and healed them and then they followed them because they followed him because of what he did for them. And so his radical love is something that I try to emulate but fail every day. Um but I love that and that kind of brings to my, to my next point a little bit, like, uh, at, at the tour, we have, we have a couple, I guess, a couple statements or a couple words. Um, one, one of them is, is community. Um, the, the logo that, that was just launched, the, the T surrounds the hour. And so, you know, you've heard uh, the community, you're the sum of like the five closest people around you or 
your community is a big deal. Um, so I just want to know, like, what are some impactful people in your walk and what's the best advice you've been given? I think who you surround yourself with, in my opinion, is the most important decision you will ever make as a human being. I'll go on the record and state that. Let's go. I could take someone on a sidewalk and turn them into a marathon runner in three months if I got to choose who they surrounded themselves with. Mm. Uh, hands down. I mean, I'm so confident in it. Like I could take the laziest person and make them disciplined if I got to choose who I surrounded them with. You know, Give me David Goggins. Give me Jocko Willink. Give me some <laughs> former Navy SEALs. Yeah. We Casey are mirrors. Yeah, there you go. We are mirrors of the people we're around, you know? I love the saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm. I think it's so true. Yeah. Yet we live in a culture where we want to quote unquote fit in, or we want to be in a comfortable circle that kind of just accepts us for who we are. But I always want to be around people who, uh, you know, will challenge me to be the person I'm called to be and to, you know, be Dominic at his best and will, you know, challenge me to get to that point and, and support me on my path, on my journey. And in high school, like I had so few high school friends. And even now, like I'd probably laugh if I found out the median age of my friends because it's like just all older, wise people. Um, For me, mentorship has been a big thing. Um, Finding people in areas of my life that I want to grow in and then kind of just like going under their wing, whether that's running, whether that's business, whether that's my faith, Um, so many different things in life and areas I want to grow. I just figure out who are the people in my circle or even outside of my circle that I want to get in contact with and and be mentored by. And so, yeah, a lot of my closest friends are literally people who just started out as mentors. Um, I'm definitely privileged to come from an awesome family. Like my oldest brother, Joseph, uh, is like just absolutely remarkable. And uh, he's actually a musician. I signed to Provident, which is under Sony. So he's technically like a Sony artist. He's crushing the game. And uh, so even someone like him, I I really appreciate and soak up a lot of knowledge and wisdom from where he's in a different avenue, but it's similar enough to mine that like he understands contract things and like chasing after something and, you know, the world's social media and all that stuff. So someone like him or, you know, a mentor who I've been talking to for over four years now, one of those people I cold emailed back in the day, Alex Mm -hmm. Osberg, who I think he was a seven time All-American while he was at Stanford and then transferred to the University of North Carolina. Um, and now he still runs, I think he ran 13, 18 in the 5k this past winter, yeah, uh, at BU. Dude. So people can figure out if it counts or not. Um, <laughs> yes. but, uh, <laughs> another conversation for another time. Anyways, someone like him, uh, he's walked with me, journeyed with me, you know, throughout literally all of my high school years. Uh, he was the first ever guest on my podcast. Um, he, I've done projects with him, but it's because he's like, I just like, I've asked him every question imaginable, uh, growing up. So, and and in my pursuit of high school and and getting better at running, getting better at the podcast, growing my company, et cetera, et cetera. So all this rambling aside, I think it's really important to figure out the person you want to be and then ask yourself the question, who are people in my life who will help me to be that version of myself? And also don't be afraid to cut people out of your life. I'll just straight up say it. I think it's harsh, but do it in a kind, loving way, but also there are just some people in most people's lives that are not contributing to the person you want to be and are actually bringing a lot of adversity and death, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, into yeah. your life. And so stepping away from those people and removing them and adding positive people will make all the difference. And so I would just advise people to be very conscious of who you're letting into your life, the impact they're having on you, positive Mm. or negative, and trying to grow in community, to use the word you use, grow in community with those individuals and ask yourself, are we on the same mission of becoming the best version of ourselves together? Um, Am I helping them? Is it it a very transactional relationship? Um, Like, how do they accept me at my best? How do they accept me at my worst? Asking yourself some of these questions. I think is a, a super important exercise, but specifically if anyone younger is listening right now, not being afraid to be very selective with who you let into your life, I think is a big deal. I think in high school, so many kids want to have 50 friends, but it's like, mm. come on, you can only be close friends with like three people. Yeah. It's not it's like impossible to, yeah. to keep up with that many people. So just being selective with who you're letting into your life um, and the impact they're having on you. 
and also just not being afraid to reach out to people, social media, email, and literally becoming friends over the phone, being mentored by them, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, I think is super important. Dude, that's so good. That so many wise nuggets in there. I just want to play that over and over. It's that's so great because yeah, there's, you can love people from a distance. Um, like you said, like cutting off maybe people that aren't, aren't bringing positive aspects or encouraging aspects to your life. And, um, you know, we, we mentioned Jesus earlier, he had 12 disciples and you, you can't, I remember in high school, I was just, I loved having a thousand, 1500 friends on Facebook and (laughs) it's like, you, you cannot, you physically cannot keep up with people. Um, as you get older, I believe it naturally happens too, but yeah, who are you surrounding yourself with? I think mentorship is such a huge part too. I recently got a mentor, Trevor Loving Good, shout out to him. He's an amazing pastor, but it's like, who are you, who in your life or who are you exposed to that you're maybe striving to be? And um, yeah, reaching, reaching out to them. And um, I think that's, yeah, that's such, so many good, so many good nuggets in there. Um, Also butting in here, there's this fantastic quote that people should stop and reflect on. Uh, The quote is something like, they say true hell is when the person you are meets the person you could have been. Mm. They say true hell is when the person you are meets the person you could have been. And I think who you surround yourself with helps you become the person you could have been and makes that person a reality and takes you from the person that you are to the person you could have been. And so surround yourself with people who are constantly challenging you and expecting the best out of yourself. Like I know if I'm settling for the status quo, I will be called out on it because it's just not accepted in my circle of people. And I've decided to be in a circle of people that will challenge me for those things. And so that's very important for me. And I would say for the, for the listener, if you're not being challenged on your ways of living and also celebrated in your ways of living, that deserves celebration. um, You probably should find new friends. Yeah. Celebration is, is so pivotal and, you got to be investing in people too, though. You shouldn't just be the one being invested in. Um, but yeah, it's got to be a two-way street. And just watch watch those plants you water. Um, are people only using you for something? Or are you guys walking in that journey together? That's right. so good. And, that, and that's the beautiful thing, I think, as you are on your pursuit of life and quote-unquote leveling up, you can recognize people who are also looking to level up and bring them to the next level. Yeah. Like I'm not saying I wouldn't be friends with someone who has nothing to offer me, I would if they're actually intent about living a better life. And through mm-hmm. that, I could be a mentor to them. As long as I know that they're intent and not wasting my time, I'm all game to be friends with that person and yeah. mentor them. Um, but it's people who like <laughs> will not actually intently go after something greater than themselves. That's when I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I love that. And I agree. And on that note, how do you hold yourself and others accountable do you have yeah i'll just i'll i'll leave it at that you know the saying actions speak louder than words i think actions speak for themselves yeah. uh and so if my actions aren't speaking a certain way i'll be called out on them um i think specifically growing up as the youngest you just like i'm i don't know maybe this is just a dominic thing uh but like i feel like you're just naturally like mean and uh you're naturally like more provocative and all that sort of stuff. And so my older siblings uh, would like, especially my brother Joseph would always like call me out, but he would do it in such a loving way. Um, And I knew, I knew, like I knew I was being mean or whatever growing up. Uh, Luckily I've grown a lot. So I'd like to consider myself as not mean anymore, but even simple stuff like that, where it's like my actions speak for themselves. And I know deep down that this isn't the person I'm called to be and having that person who can call out those behaviors and, speak into me that like he knows I'm made for more. He knows I'm better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that has always been impactful. Um, that was like a very specific childhood instance, but I think no, you I can kind of take that model and apply it to, to business stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, there are people who I know, whether it's followers or, or people in my circle who know, like I post X amount of times per day. And like, I know in the back of my head that if I don't post X amount of times per day, like they'll notice. And it's not that I'm posting for those people, but it's just, it's nice to have that reminder that like, I've set this standard for myself and there's an expectation now. And so I think if you can create these expectations in your life of like, this is the amount of miles I'm trying to do. This is the amount of content I'm trying to produce. More importantly, this is the person I'm trying to become. I'm trying to become more selfless, kind, et cetera, et cetera. And you, vocalize those expectations 
then those in your life can call you out when you're not living up to those expectations. Yeah. If you say you want to be selfless, but then you don't return the grocery cart at the shopping store, it's very easy to be called out because yep. that's like very selfish, right? Yeah. But if you don't vocalize that you want to be a selfless person, maybe it's just in line with the behavior of yourself, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Same thing with running. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this on teams or even your current team. Like, you know, people will state their goals and it's very easy to call people out to, you know, a higher way of training if they're not like, if they're slacking, you know, yeah. um, because they've vocalized those expectations. And so I think I try to vocalize my goals, the ways I want to live. And through that, I think I'm called out when I'm not living up to those expectations. And then just like, I'm not naturally a confrontational. I feel like I'm trying to think. Yeah, I feel like most people in my circle, I don't really keep them accountable. I feel like they're all pretty quality individuals. So <laughs> I, I think it's more supporting, more encouraging than yeah. confrontation. Yeah. And I believe and I, I agree that that's, that's important. The, the encouraging and calling out in a loving way because I can think of so many times in, in my life where I've had people point things out to me that maybe I wasn't realizing what I was doing or how I was you know, viewing myself or acting. And I'm so grateful that I had people in my life call those out of me to, so I could, I could change my direction or, or even call great things out of me and maybe see potential in me. But yeah, there's something about also sharing your goals. Um, just like running it's and sharing your goals, you're really putting yourself out there and but I think that that's so important in life that we should always, and you know, the tour, that's so much of what the tour is about is we, everyone has goals. Everyone is on their tour. Um, and when you put, when you put it out there and you have the right circle and you have people keeping you accountable, then, then I believe that, you know, you can achieve so much. Um, obviously a huge faith aspect in it for us there too, but I, I love that. I love that answer. Um, I know, I know we're rolling We're we've been rolling for a while. I could talk to you for, for so long, but, um, I have a couple fun questions, um, to kind of wrap us, wrap us up. The first one is what do you do outside of running podcasting, the stuff we see online? What's, what's Dominic doing, uh, outside of that? I think <laughs> I'm trying to give you a, a fun answer here. Cause this isn't very fun. This is kind of an impetus for the podcast, but like, I just love having thoughtful conversations with people. Um, and sure that is the podcast, but I'll try to answer it outside the podcast, even like calling my mom, like while I'm doing the dishes and just like having a thoughtful conversation or, um, maybe this is again, just a weird Dominic thing that I haven't engaged in, but like, I kind of, I said to my mom on the phone a few weeks ago, I'm like, I haven't really ever asked you about like your childhood or you growing up or your experiences in college or things like that. And so even things like that, where it's like just actually intently having a thoughtful conversation with a parent and asking them things outside of like the shallow things people talk about, I talk mm. about. Um, I love that. I think that's what life is about is connection with other human beings, learning from one another, experiencing the highs and lows with another person. And so, uh, yeah, that's not a very fun answer, but I'd say like just thoughtful conversation with people or meeting new people, um, is always fun. Now a more, a more fun answer. Um, let's see. I mean, can't go wrong with a good card game or board game. Um, those are always good, especially when I'm back for the holidays, like with family board yeah. games, so much fun card games, so much fun. Um, with my brothers specifically. And uh, so I've got two brothers You need four people. So my brothers and maybe my brother-in-law, if we're all there together, our friend spike ball, I think spike ball is like fantastic game, spike ball, pickleball, uh, big fanatics of both, probably more specifically spike ball, always down for a good game of spike. Let's go. Um, reading. I want to get more into reading, but I think in periods of my life where I'm like super intent on it, I love reading. Um, and then like, yeah, I'm, I'm a kid of this generation. I'd be lying if I said I didn't spend way too much time scrolling on Instagram reels. <laughs> There's nothing like coming across a funny reel and then the next one's David Goggins screaming at you. And then the next is like some cinematic buttery shot of like a mountain in Switzerland. Yeah. And you send it to someone, you're like, I want to go here. So, I mean, I like the internet too. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say like, honestly, Instagram reels, I probably waste a little too much time on there. Um, so I give you a very long answer to what was supposed to be a, a short question. No, I, I gave you that. like a thoughtful answer, which was thoughtful conversation. And I'm like, that's, 
not the point of the question. <laughs> no, I love the I love the deep conversations. I can relate to that. And yeah, social media does have redeeming qualities, but I got to set those limits. I don't know how you are with it, but that's great. My my second my two out of three of the maybe more fun questions are: What do you think is more important, talent or hard work? I mean, it's the cliche saying, "What uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard." Yeah, do I need to say much more? <laughs> that's the <laughs> like, all right. Yeah, I mean, I I'll, I ramble, so I could leave it at that. But um, talent only takes you so far. I, I've had the privilege of talking to so many accomplished individuals that I actually I'd like to think I have some decent say on it because I've yeah. heard so many stories at this point. I think to make it to the Olympics, you need to be naturally very talented. But I think to make it D1, you don't have to have any talent. That's my mm. hot take. I think hard work will take you D1 or farther. I think you need talent to become an Olympian or American record holder or Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Yeah. Um, I think you need to have talent. And the best of the best have a mix of both. Yep. The best of the best. I know very, very, very few professional runners who didn't work very, very hard. Uh, I yeah. think almost everyone at that level works incredibly hard because talent gets weeded out very quickly. And I think it's just a non-factor because everyone's talented uh, to some extent. Yeah. Um, I think there are different levels of talent, but um, yeah, hot take, you need talent to become an Olympian, like a lot of talent. You don't need talent to make a D1. Dang. Yeah. That is, that is a spicy take. I'd be interested what people think about that, (laughs) but that's a great answer. It's a, it's a topic that just comes up all the time on, on my team. and, And I have a lot of fun talking talent or hard work. The final question that I'll ask you, is what is a quirky home feature that you want in your future home? I think this is the question I'm going to ask every guest. And to set the to set the stage, I'll give my answer. My answer is an indoor basketball court because I would love to have. I would love to just wake up, shoot two shots. You know, because going <laughs> to the basketball, going to a basketball court, you know, especially an inside court, it's such a hassle. Um, you know, outside courts maybe there, there's more of them, but. I love playing basketball and it would just be super fun to just shoot a couple shots in my slippers or, you know, after a work meeting or something, shoot a couple shots, you know, maybe collect my thoughts and, and go back. So what, what would your answer be? Man, that's such a good question. I'm so curious to listen to future episodes and see the responses of people. Cause I think it's a great way to, to get to know a person better in a unique way. When you were talking there, one fantastic answer, but two, like, I just don't, I got to think this one through. I mean, there's so many different things when people talk about, you know, building your dream home. It's yeah. like, there's so many different aspects to it. Um, but quirky that, that throws a wrench there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Something define that's different. quirky for me, something that's different. Okay. Yeah. Something that's different. Like, um, you know, a lot of houses have maybe a, a wine cellar isn't super quirky, but like a foam pit would be, or, or Actually, I have my answer. I got my answer. <laughs> So yeah, we'll close out on a story. So my parents, uh, again, growing up, we're very active as kids and there were six of us. And so specifically my brothers and I, my two brothers and I just out all day, 24 seven, uh, specifically in the summer. And we had a, a a long, massive side yard that went from very pristine, nice green grass when we moved in to straight up, basically all dirt by the end of the summer. And my parents joked that if they had the money, they would turn our side yard into turf and so my answer for you is i would turn my backyard into turf or at least a large portion of it does that count yeah i think that counts i think that's different i Maybe think like it'd a be sports fire. field yeah i think it'd be fire for spike ball uh, soccer throwing the ball i think if you dedicate a portion of your yard to turf it could be really cool yeah make a little sports field maybe a little soccer goal or football football uprights or something that's great that's a great answer um, but Dominic, it's been an honor, honor chatting with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the tour talk podcast. Um, just so grateful to be your friend. So excited for everything you got going on. And like I said earlier, age doesn't matter, but just so impressive 18 to just be leaning in. And a lot of people take a long time. I feel like to, to figure out their goals or to at least be pursuing them and, and you're doing it so well at such a young age so it's just an honor for you to to be on this podcast and be the the first guest to kick us off well austin you're way too kind with your words uh, i appreciate it and it's an honor and a privilege 
to be the first ever of something. And I can't wait to see how far you take this and the impact it makes. Um, because I certainly was just horrible. It was just horrible. The first ever episode of the running effect. And so your, uh, your like starting point is, uh, way farther up the mountain than mine was. And so I'm excited to see what you turn this into. And more importantly, like, uh, we may have discussed this a little bit earlier, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, the attributes of an individual creep into other aspects of their life. So if you're, you know, really disciplined in running, you're also probably really disciplined in another thing. And so I know who Austin Dahlquist is as a person, and I know you're going to apply all those attributes into this podcast. And therefore I would buy stock if I could. So Austin, it's been an honor and a privilege and I appreciate the opportunity and I'm excited to see what God will do with this platform. You're kind, man. And yeah, you, you're the one that has made, has made it great in my opinion. And so appreciate you and, and looking forward to, to chatting again soon. We'll have you on again soon. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thank you again for listening to the first episode of the Tour Talk podcast. My name is Austin Dahlquist. Friendly reminder to follow us on Instagram at the Sub4 Tour. Keep your eyes peeled for the YouTube and the website launch coming soon. And let's keep pursuing those goals together. Let's keep preparing. DM us on Instagram if you need anything. And have a great week.